0: Hello and welcome to the Pulse. There have been complaints and warnings from academics and lawyers who see that their independence, traditionally Hong Kong's strength, is increasingly coming under attack. And that's what we're looking at on The Pulse today. In part two of the show, Stephen Chan of Lingnan University and legislator Ipkin Yoon will be here to talk about perceived threats to academic freedom. But first, rule of law. <laughs> Just weeks ago, the former Secretary of Justice said that the Hong Kong Court of Final Appeals 1999 ruling regarding the right of mainland women to come to the SAR to give birth was wrong. She also said the idea of one country, two systems might not necessarily apply to Hong Kong's judiciary. Last week, the Secretary for Justice, Rinsky Yoon, suggested the Court of Final Appeal should ask Beijing for a reinterpretation of the basic law on immigration rights for domestic helpers. Another mainland legal scholar has suggested Hong Kong should have more Chinese judges and fewer from international jurisdictions. In October, retiring Justice Kamal Bukhari warned that a storm of unprecedented ferocity is gathering over the rule of law in Hong Kong. Well, to discuss all of this, we have legislator and barrister Ronnie Tong and Dr. Karen Lee of the Department of Law and Business at Shu University. Ronnie Tong, can I come to you first on the matter of the immigration rights for domestic helpers? You, I know, just think that it's not necessary for, for reinterpretation of the law. Why? Precisely is that well there
1: are two different issues here. The first one, of course, is domestic helper, whether they should be allowed to live permanently in Hong Kong. There is a mainland mother 's problem. now there are two different problems, and they 're being governed by two different paragraphs in the basic law. but uh, at the bottom of it, the, the question is what do you want the court to do, and what is your, your, your uh, what do you want to achieve now uh, Article 158 of the Basic Law says very clearly that you should only ask the Court of Final Appeal to seek an interpretation if it involves a matter uh, which concerns the uh, responsibilities of the central government or relate to the relationship between the central government and the the SAR government. Now, the domestic helper issue is neither. So I was astonished to hear Rimsky-Yun to ask the CFA in the domestic helper case to interpret Article 24, in particular, in, 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 in order to, to solve a problem of the mainland mothers. Because under the basic law, uh, the issue as, uh, arising uh, of, uh, in relation to the mainland mothers uh, arises from uh, different paragraphs altogether, which is Article 24, Paragraph 1, whereas the domestic helper case involves Article 24, Paragraph 4. And they're very different paragraphs. Can, can I just get clear what you're saying? What, what you're saying is the problems
0: are in fact not constitutional they're totally problems. Not,
1: not relevant one with the other uh, that's the first uh, problem with Rimsky-Yun's uh, 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 application the second problem is his application doesn't fall within article 158 contrary to what he said the third problem is that what he is trying to achieve uh, and he has said so uh, you know uh, openly is to overturn a previous call of final appeal decision which is the John Fung Yun case decided in the year 2000 and that case relates to Article 24, Rule 1.
0: And that has nothing
1: to do with domestic help,
0: either. So, if there was an issue, and I'm not saying there is a current issue, but if there was an issue where it appeared that there was a problem with the basic law as it stands, what would be the appropriate way of changing well, that?
1: Uh, if the uh, provision is not clear, then you can interpret it. But if the provision is clear and you find it is wrong, then you should amend it. Now, there's nothing wrong with amending constitutions. I mean, you know, the world over, you know, countries have amended their constitution. Americans, you know, uh, do it all the time. Even China has done it quite several times. Uh, there has been at least two overhauls and six or seven amendments, uh, you know, over the years. Uh, and they, they amend it in very fundamental ways too because they've just given you know, personal property rights to people in, in, in China, a country to the, you know, the theory of communism. So you can see that amendment is, is the right way to go if you want to change the constitution. And constitution does need to be to be changed because it, it should be a living thing. It should be, you know, inspirational, uh, you know, which deals with, you know, future rights uh, and not, existing, not simply existing rights.
0: Caroline, let me come to you. What is your suspicion or view, maybe, it would be a nicer way to say that, Do you think that this, um, what may be described as a continuing process of questioning judges in Hong Kong, of seeking reinterpretations, of saying, as Elsie Leung said the other day, that maybe one country, two systems doesn't apply to, to the law. Do you think this is a deliberate attempt to undermine the independence of the judiciary? Or is it perhaps just a rather careless way of trying to solve problems? you know, without recourse to the proper procedures?
2: I think that one may suspect that there are many intentions behind, but I believe that one problem may be that there are just just two different ways of thinking concerning law on the mainland and also in Hong Kong, because Hong Kong adopts a common law system which has a totally different way of thinking and we focus on the clear language of the law, whereas in China, because the NPCSC is the um, supreme body in... This
0: is China's parliament. Yeah, in, in, in making mm.
2: legislation, in interpreting legislation, and perhaps somehow they, they want to see Hong Kong to merge with uh, their system in some ways, and probably that's the reason behind um, there are a suggestion that perhaps, like some PRC leaders, have once suggested that perhaps the Hong Kong judiciary should cooperate with uh, the legislature and executive. Um, that's exactly the way that um, the mainland uh, uh, legal sector um, thinks, because it's the Chinese way of interpreting laws. But, but the
1: funny thing is, even under mm-hmm. Chinese law, uh, even under the Chinese constitution, it is accepted, uh, I think, by judges and scholars on the mainland that you shouldn't interpret if you want to change it. So, so they have a, a very similar uh, way of reading law.
0: But I, I, I think ho- as what, as we, what, 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 what Karen Lee is suggesting is perhaps something slightly different, is simply an inability to understand how the common law system works.
1: Well, I, I tend not to think so, because, uh, y- yes, there is a diversity of approach. Uh, uh, mainland lawyers or mainland government tend to look at the result. We tend to look at the principle as well as the result. If the result is not uh, acceptable, uh, but the principle is, then we stick to the principle and we say we change the law. Now, that's not the way in which mainlanders think about the law. So that's why you see a lot of different decisions, a lot of different ways in enforcing the law, and a lot of different ways in dealing with problems.
0: you, You... You're studying at the moment the the um, process of change in, in in the legal system in China. I mean, are you noticing, I know your studies are at an early stage, but are, are you noticing that any of this is in fact moving in a, a forward direction?
2: I think that um, the Chinese government wants to change, not really change, but to modify its system. Like, I think early this year or last year, they actually revised the criminal law, which um, seeks to give more protection to uh, the criminals. I, I can't recall the exact wordings or the exact reform that they've done, but I believe that over the past years they want to, at least on paper, um, try to do more reforms um, in the legal system, um, perhaps to show the world that China has been doing a great deal in improving its legal systems. and perhaps it is maybe only the preliminary stage of the legal reforms on the mainland, and that's why maybe in that stage um, there are always problems, always difficulties, because um, it's it's a long way for them to actually uh, catch up with the rest of the world, especially because, I mean, the Chinese, as I said, the Chinese way of thinking regarding law is is different. Um, I guess they put more emphasis on the results uh, rather than the process. Well, they certainly um, have
0: very quick trials in China. Mm,
2: and, and, and probably <laughs> that's why our, our, our government is also trying to do that, to want to fix the result uh, regarding the right affairs um, concerning mainland, um, mainland pregnant women giving birth in Hong Kong. So it also seems that they, they focus on the results rather than the process, it seems to me.
1: But uh, uh, there is also a, a, a another facet of this. Um, a lot of the mainlanders or people who are close to Beijing think that the Zhang Feng case the CFA judges had uh, deliberately ignored the previous interpretation which was given in, in the year 2000, uh, and, and therefore they, they regarded it as an affront to the supreme power and authority of the National People's Congress Standing Committee. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's that grudge which they have borne for well over ten years which is coming to the surface at the moment, and they want to say, right, this is the time to pay back and to overturn that decision.
0: Unfortunately, we're out of time, but Ronnie Tong and Karen Lee, thank you very much. And we'll be back after the break. Welcome back. On Tuesday, academics from eight universities launched a signature campaign asking the government to return control of a public policy research fund to scholars. They're worried that a decision by the Central Policy Unit To directly manage the fund, worth $20 million a year and previously managed by the research, Grants Council could turn academic research into little more than propaganda work. There's also been concerns recently over two academic documents which were less than academic in approach, the Blue Book and the China Model. Meanwhile, opinion pollster and academic Robert Chung has long come under attack for asking the public questions that pro-Beijing figures don't want to be asked. So what price, academic freedom? With us in the studio to discuss this, are Stephen Chan of Lingnan University and legislator, Ip-Kin Yun, who represents the Educational Functional Constituency. Can I come to you first? Let's yes. just talk about this fund. It's, it's relatively small, it's $20 million. Right. Is it really such a big deal?
3: Yes, if you are, uh, if you are applying uh, a fund from the Research Grant Council, you're just uh, concerned about you know, the quality of the research. But if you're applying from a bureaucracy, you might need to be more politically sensitive. Uh, you w- you may want to please the government. And so the, at the end of the day, uh, what the research is about maybe is just propaganda you just mentioned. is just you know, uh, supporting the existing policy of the government. So if that is the result, what's for uh, the whole thing would, would would be would not be no
0: serving its purpose. Let let me just draw this slightly wider, uh, because it's not just a question of this research fund. I mean, there does seem to be a feeling that somehow academic the freedom of expression in academic circles is under expression. I'm really wondering how true that is, because I mean, academics
4: like yourself, for example, I don't think are constrained from speaking. Hong Kong government has been putting a lot of investments into our our university and will continue to. Uh, This is also the pledge of uh, CY Long early this year um, when he was speaking to members of the higher education sector election committee members for instance uh, that academic freedom is important uh, and it's also important to enhance the capacity of Hong Kong's university so that it can support generally social development and in particular research, uh, uh, because we're talking about re- research and uh, here, specifically with the CPU issue. And uh, so previous to the public policy scheme, few academics within the Hong Kong University do public policy research, not because they are not allowed to, but because there are little incentive and provision for con- conducting public policy research. Now this is a bit complicated because uh, within the academics um, uh, we are assessed on our research performance by our publications and so on, and often international publications. Uh, it is for international publications. It is difficult for local uh, research to be uh, to be to be listed there, and therefore uh, the consequences for a long time. Uh, our capacity within the university have no interest, have no way of uh, uh, doing work on Hong Kong uh, 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 policies so that Hong Kong as a whole can benefit from them. This new scheme started in 2005. was a very uh, timely scheme and it's only been operating for five, six years. Uh, I think personally it's been quite successful. There's a long way to go but if you cut it short now, uh, okay. it, would, it would be affecting. So, academic autonomy and freedom put into context.
0: Well, Mr, let me come back to you, mm. because you're, you're from the Professional Teachers Union, which obviously right. is mainly in the secondary uh, school se- sector of education. Which is also included. Yes, but what, what I wanted to ask you is, I mean, in, in that sector, there has been, if you like, a major victory for academic freedom in the defeat of the national education curriculum, mm. so do you see a threat there
3: still? I think in general, there, uh, we, we think there is still a threat, because uh, uh, well, the, the uh, motivations, uh, motives behind the scene, I think are, are the same. You know, uh, to make things under control. You know, um, uh, for the national education curriculum uh, it is one thing. Uh, no. Uh, switching this uh, research plan, research fund, from the management of an uh, academic uh, agency to back to the bureaucracy. I think, well, it's also a kind of uh, exerting larger control by the government on the education circle, and, well, uh, uh, especially I think, well, uh, for this fund, it's a three-year cycle, and suddenly over. All of a sudden, after one year of you know, uh, operation, uh, the CPU suddenly uh, requests to take over. So this kind of abrupt uh, interference is quite uh, abnormal, yeah. abnormal yeah, and, and, and yeah. in the in the Hong Kong decision-making process, and uh, we we don't we cannot understand why, uh, right. except there are some other intention
0: behind it. Let me just ask you one other thing, because what normally happens in places where there are very serious threats to academic freedom is that academics who speak out and who are associated with whatever is the opposition to the government don't get appointed, don't get promoted, and generally have a hard time. Is there any sign of that in Hong
4: Kong? Fortunately, there are not a lot of signs of that. And I think that is, a, uh, that is a, 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 something that we have to treasure. And therefore, when something as abnormal as this happening within the academic circle, we have to speak up. Because what I'm saying is, uh, w- the example I just gave actually uh, seems to point to the opposite. That is, academics are into their research but it seems that there are lack of interest or lack of possibility of linking their work, teaching and research, more with society and social development. Now, this is agreed by a lot of members of the community as well as members of the UGC and RGC, and this is the background behind the uh, introduction of the public policy scheme into the academic. It benefits both the, the the. the society at large, and develop the academic community so that there are direct, more direct ways of, of their work going into public policy. Now, uh, to answer your question in no- another way, if uh, now the scheme is removed from the RGC to the government, basically, CPU, and CPU is not known for its transparency and its and is the way it processes uh, uh, issues, um, whether it is in research or in other kind of um, channels when it advises the DCE the, 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 the and, and, and his councils, um, then uh, who do you think are going to apply to this fund? Not the academics that I know within the universities, <laughs> because... You know, they would they would be under. You think the, it might be the yeah. one country? Um, <laughs> uh, and um, because because there can be many different ways do do. of understanding research reports, yes. as we can see from the kind of blue books published both in Hong Kong and in and in and in China. It's quite common uh, in, in, in in the Chinese mainland to have uh, academic or research institutions publishing blue books directly for the consumption of policy makers and government officials. Um, can I just
0: ask you very briefly, if I may, um, do you think that in teaching circles, I mean in secondary school teaching mm-hmm. circles, teachers feel under threat to conform, to be more conformist?
3: No, uh, secondary school, um, uh, in some way I think, yes, because uh, mm-hmm. uh, they are under the mm-hmm. uh, management of uh, you know, sponsoring bodies. And sponsoring bodies may have may may, may want good relationship with the mm-hmm. government and even the you know the central government from in Beijing. So uh, they might uh, exert some sorts of control. You know, if you want to teach you, if you want to uh, you know to be promoted, you tr- try not to make trouble. <laughs> so so there might be some hidden this kind of hidden you know thinking.
0: But uh, at the moment, it's hidden. Yeah, yeah it's
3: still hidden, it, but 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 I think it's, it really uh, is it, really a, a, a potential threat here.
0: Thank you both very much indeed. And yeah. that's it for this episode of The Pulse, and time for us just to say we'll see you at the same time next week and wish you a Merry Christmas. That's if you don't have any better plans. Goodbye.
1: You better watch out, you better not cry You better not pout, i am telling you why Santa Claus Is coming to town ah, Look him. He's making a list And he's checking it twice
4: He's gonna know Who's been naughty or night nice.
0: Santa Claus Is coming to town Do you hear me?
1: Well listen He knows if you are sleeping Yay! Yeah, And he knows
2: if you